Hi listeners and welcome to episode 12 of the Two Sporting Muppets. I'm here with my co-host Gray. How you been this week, mate? Good, thanks, Greg. Been, yeah, a bit busy, but in a, in a good way. And yeah, really enjoying the, the footy that went on last week and looking forward to the football that's going yeah, on this Yeah, we're getting weekend. right that good time right in the middle of the finals, or AFL right in the middle, and NRL finals just about to start. So we'll have a bit of a preview of that and run over the matches that have happened in the AFL so far. We're all Christmas, Christmas in September. For football lovers, definitely, mate. Definitely is. For sports fans. Yeah, so what do you want to talk about first, mate? AFL? Let's have a crack at the AFL, yep. Uh, well, we talked it up and we whinged about the break. Didn't it deliver? Four or cracking games. And I'm not even, you know, as I said, definitely followed NRL more, but really enjoyed the weekend of AFL. Great games. Yeah, when we did the, ep- the previous episode, the Melbourne game had happened, the Melbourne Swans, and we talked about how fantastic the Swans were, particularly defensively. And, you know, Buddy Franklin didn't have a huge impact. Not a huge impact, but that last quarter, that their defence in that last quarter particularly was just, it was brilliant. They were amazing to watch. They did a really, really fantastic job. And credit to them and credit to John Longmire, who keeps, you know, just re, reinventing the team, reinventing tactics. You know, there's just one of those sporting organisations that just so well run that they're never down for long. No, we're talking about, we've talked about that with the Roosters in the NRL and I guess the Swans being in the Sydney market as well, they've got their their house in order and obviously have really good structures in place to support their younger players and players coming through and, and developing players. Because as you said, even when they've been rebuilding in inverted commas, it's never been rebuilding for very long and they've in, in the recent past anyway and become successful again. Now, the last 20 years, they haven't missed the finals that many times. The next game... Another cracker in terms of, look, the result, sorry Geelong fans, oh sorry Collingwood fans, you know how much I love you, I love your club, but look, it was a good game, Collingwood did blow this, they they were by far the better team for the majority of the game, I felt, but you also just felt watching it that Geelong were probably going to find a way, like good teams do, and it, they did. It did <laughs> feel like that, as I said, being a novice, but it did, to me, watching it, it felt like Geelong were going to you know, roll over, in, roll over them in the end. Which happened. Which and they did. Look, huge crowd. I think it was 90,000 90, odd at the G. Of course, that was a supposed home final for Geelong. Yeah, yeah I was, which get, still gets got doubts go, over that. Not fair. I still Anyway, Geelong won it, so. Yeah, so for that reason, well done, Geelong. Look, Collingwood, despite the fact they're not my favourite team, they're far from finished. If they play well, they're playing, they're playing well. You know, won most of their games the last three months. They're still a danger. So, you know, it's not not all is lost. And I think the way it's, the draw's turned around, if they win this week, they'll be playing the Swans up in Sydney. So they'll be hot tickets because, you know, there's only, what, 45,000-odd 45, tickets. So it'll be interesting how that works. In the days gone by, they would have transferred it to Homebush. But fortunately, that doesn't happen anymore. Not, not, not the best AFL venue. Western Bulldogs and Fremantle. You said you had a look at this, Greg. That was actually, apart from the Swans, this was my next favourite game. And I, I didn't watch the whole game, but I had it on. And the Bulldogs were, you know, it was in Perth too. And the Bulldogs winning comfortably. And I thought, here we go. This is going to be a bit of upset, seeing they only just snuck into the finals as it was. And I flicked back later on and, and Fremantle ran over the top of them. And I then I ended up watching the rest of it. So, yeah, kudos to Fremantle. What a great comeback. Because yeah. when I started at the beginning of the game, Bulldogs were awesome and playing all over them. It was a good effort. And look, it would have been disappointing for the 
Dockers not to make it. I because, agree. Because they, they were high up in the ladder most of the year and played some really good football. And the Bulldogs, as competitive as they were, very lucky to be there. But, yeah, that, that, that sort of team, if they got on a run, could have done some damage. So well done, Fremantle, for coming back and getting the job done. I was a little bit incorrect, Greg. It was the Brisbane-Richmond game that happened last. And I forgot, I couldn't think of the star's name. Lockie Neal. Sorry, Lockie. But he was he played an excellent game for the Lions. So, yeah. so But it was actually the Friday night was the Swans game. So really good, really good cracking games. Well attended. So it was bye-bye to the Western Bulldogs and the Tigers, Richmond. And on to this week. So once again, some absolutely salivating games. So tonight at the G, we have Melbourne Demons versus the Brisbane Lions. And these are both elimination finals now, aren't they? These two games this weekend. They are. Look, Melbourne very highly favoured. $1.28 they're paying on sports bet. $3.60 for the Lions. Look, the Lions are a chance. I always love it I'm sh- if they do. As an ex-Roy boy, an ex-Fitzroy supporter, they wear their Fitzroy strip. They may or may not wear it, but I always love to see it out when they do. Look, they're going to have to play really well. Melbourne, okay, they'll beat last week, so they'll be smarting from that. They were, and they absolutely flogged Brisbane a couple of weeks ago. So, beauty of sport, everything suggests that Brisbane have very little chance. So the reality is... Should be a really close, exciting game. Probably be very close. So, no, it'll be one. It'll be well attended. I'm not sure whether I'll probably get 80,000 odd. Probably not totally sold out, but it'll be a very healthy crowd. So it should be a great match. Looking forward to that. And then tomorrow, also at the G. Now this will be this will be eighty ninety thousand. Collingwood versus Frio. So obviously Collingwood the only Victorian club, but Collingwood a Collingwood, the most supported club in the AFL. So and and once again they'll be smarting after the loss last week. As you said, again they probably should have won or had certainly had every opportunity to win it. They did. So, yeah, look, they're not heavy. I wouldn't say heavy favourites, all the 52, but comfortable favourites. Look, Frio are going to have to play well, obviously, but I've, they can do it. You know, they've got had a really good season, as I mentioned a minute or so ago. Really good players. Collingwood are in form. Should be, should be a cracking contest. So, books, bookies aside, who are you actually tipping? Who's your personal tips for the two games? For my two games? Right. So, if... Sporting head-on and nothing to do with heart or like or dislikes, I would say Melbourne and Collingwood. The two favourites will get up, I think. Okay. Who would I like to see? Look, Melbourne and Brisbane, I I actually like both teams. doesn't worry me. And obviously, I'd like to see Freo (laughs) get over Collingwood. But that's only me. Um, Something interesting, Greg, though, is the way the AFL structured now with their week off. So teams like the two teams who won the first game – Sydney and Geelong. So they got a prelim. So that's their second game in a month. Yeah, so they end up a week off, play a week off, basically. And I know in the last few years, there's been once or twice where I think Port Adelaide last year heavily favoured to win prelims and they come out just flat as attack. So, yeah, it's something like the coaches, I think, have to work really hard. Yeah, momentum's a thing and, and that routine of playing and I'm not saying they forget how to play, but you're right that that weekly weekly grind you you get out of that routine. I think. Yeah, and one week off, you go, yeah, well, that's probably a, a welcoming thing, niggling injuries and that. But 
two weeks within a month. Well, I think the other thing is everyone gets the week off. That's right. As, as opposed to just the two winners get the that next week off. And I just think you know momentum could be lost a little bit. Yeah, definitely a danger. So it would be interesting to see how the coaches handle that. Because, you know, if they do come out flat, one of the teams, well, it's, you, know, you can always point the finger at, at you know, those, that time off. I remember it used to actually work like that in the NRL, pre the top eight, where they used to have the minor premiers would play the first week against the second team, I think it was, and the winner would get a week off to the prelim. That's right, yep. And, no, actually, no, this is pre that. that was They went straight to the grand final. That was when it was top five? Yeah. So what would happen? The minor premiers wouldn't play the first week. That's right. It would be two versus three and four versus five or whatever. Then the next week, the two winners would play the, the prelim. Yeah. And so the the second week, the minor premiers would play the winner of that first final. And the winner would just straight to the big dance. Yeah. And yeah, so they'd play two games a month. So, you know, how well it worked then is up for debate, but it's yeah, just interesting the way it the way it's fallen. But look, cracking games, Greg. Really looking forward to watching them flicking between the NRL and, and the, the AFL. AFL. Yeah, I'll be same at my house. Be flicking between the two just to keep you know an eye on both. Also on the AFL, look very significant, and this will you know this is uh, Gil, Gil McLaughlin's sign off, so to speak. Yes, because he's finishing it this season, isn't he? As head of the AFL, massive TV right deal. So the new deal six it works out six hundred and forty three millions per year. Over how many years do they five years? Uh, I think it's it was five or seven. Totally forget but yeah, it's four point five b- billion wow. over the term of the deal. Probably about five or six. Unprecedented. I remember when it was what not that long ago when it was a big deal, it was a billion dollars. So it it's just massive. So the deal is with basically holding on to what they got now with Channel Seven. Channel Seven, Foxtel, and you know, Ko with with Foxtel. Look, as these things play out, it's it it's a bit ducks and drakes. Channel Nine came in with a huge offer, and you wonder with Channel Nine, it's whether they actually were fair dinkum. But as we know, what the big offer does then is the the current broadcaster gets last chance, and then if they want to keep it, they got to up it. So yeah, it's quite someone's getting rich out of it. And apparently Channel 10 and Paramount. Paramount owns Channel 10, so... Came in. Look, Paramount itself, the streaming service, is only building. They're very not a high subscription or anything. But they also were, were in the mix. But ultimately, Channel Channel 7, Foxtel won out. And huge, huge payout for the AFL. Is there much changes to the way the games will be shown? I, I know, I did read that, Channel 7, under the new deal, can show some of the games on their streaming service, 7 Plus, which under the current deal, they couldn't stream anything. It was only on traditional TV, okay. my understanding was. Yeah, I didn't read that, but that's interesting. And also, I think more Saturday games on free-to-air Okay, on Channel 7. And the main thing is, and there was talk also of possibility of 19th team, of getting that Tasmanian team happening. Yeah, that was, isn't it to be, that's McLaughlin's last big sign off to decide whether he can get agreement with the Tasmanian government to whether they're going to go the 19th team in Tasmania or not? I believe so. Yeah, so that, you know, the fact is because they have 18 teams, the AFL, two more than the NRL, so they get that extra game week. So, the in, you know, obviously the advertisers, the income is is there. There's plenty plenty of uh, exposure for the, 
for the viewers. What's your um, gut feeling about the Tasmanian team? Yay or nay? Look, I don't see I don't see why not. Like, the, the thing with Tassie, it hasn't been support base or players, I don't think. It's been it's been the financial do they have enough financial clout? You know, to get to compete. Because as you know, Tassie's a great part of the world, but it hasn't got a big population. No, a small population. Um, and a lot of them are AF. I'm sure every Tas, most Tasmanian would support the new team. But they also have allegiances to other teams as well. Um, yeah, and yeah, would they play out of Hobart and Launceston or just out of Hobart, just out of Launceston? I don't know what the plan would be. And would it be, it looks like it wouldn't be a re- relocation. No, to be it's, no, it's, it's going. It's going. If it happens, it's going to be a new team, like a genuine new Tasmanian yeah. team. Yeah. Look, I think Greg, if they can get the the financial clout to be successful, then why not? And you know, it's been done before with GWS, and surely the AFL can help help them out with you know early draft concessions and that sort of thing. Um, it would be the great because you know, some really really good players in the AFL, past and present, have come from Tassie. So it would be nice for them to have an outlet to not have to go to the mainland. I'd to, love to see it. Like personally, I know I asked you the question, but I'd love to see Tassie get their own team be represented if they can, as you said, with the financial backing of the AFL and the Tasmanian state government, if they can make that work. And if the ground, well, they, as you said, they play both at the moment. They have visiting games at both Launceston and Hobart at the moment. Um, but if they can get that sorted, I think it would be great for the league. The, the question, do they stay on 19 then or do they look at a, even 20 going forwards? I'm not saying that's a quick decision, but would they look at 20 going forwards? And is there enough players of that level? I know we always get back to this conversation. Is there enough players in Australia at that, that level to support 19 and 20 teams? That's the question, isn't it? And yeah, I, I couldn't see 19 lasting that long. Yeah, I would have thought they'd go to wherever that would be, but you'd think they would go to 20. Yeah, and it just makes sense, you know, the broadcasting and the draw, that not having to have a buy and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I would think if they went 19, they'd go 20 within the next five years after that. I mean, oh, I think it'd be great great for Tassie. Look, as you said, they, they get lots of AFL games down there anyway. So it's time. My own, on a lighter note, my only thing would be, please come up with a better name in the basketball team. Don't like the Jack Jumpers? Yeah, oh, it, it's grown on me. But when you're first here at first time, isn't it? You're just like, what? What the? Yeah. What the? Um, but yeah. It's already been shortened to the Jackies, I've noticed, for this season Has coming it? up. Yeah, don't like it. No, the so, Jack. Jack Jumps, apparently a native ant. Yeah. Only to New uh, Tasmania, which and is... jumps. Yeah. So, yeah. quite a vicious ant, actually, and quite poisonous. But, so, that's the you know, mascot for the basketball team. And they've had huge support. Yeah, and um, they did really well. i off track for a little bit, talk about establishing new teams in a new market. They've had massive support and are selling out their little their arena, which seats four and a half thousand down there in the Derwent. Used to be called Derwent Entertainment Centre, now White State Bank Arena. But they sell it out every single match, so they're getting, and that's the only state. Oh, they do have the cricket, I guess, but that's their state team, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, and they they have got huge support in their first season. Yeah, and it's viable, and why not? Because. As we know, Gold Coast is the place where teams go to die in it Australian seems that sport, way. and that's that's and, all. And it, it constantly rave on. Oh, the particularly of the AFL, huge ex-Victorian population retirees going up there. We keep hearing how it's successful. Every team just becomes bombs out or becomes a non-event in terms of success. And after a while, 
you know, well patronised early. But even now, like the Titans, if they're not doing really well, their crowds are pretty ordinary. No, fair weather supporters. If, if the Titans do well, you see a bit of a crowd on TV. But as you said, like this, you're not a great season. There's not many there in the stands. I guess on the flip side of that, you could argue, well, if the Suns ever have a good season, we'll judge it then. Would they they've never really had a they've decent no, season. never had a good season. To get lots of supporters. So, yeah, and I think, no, Tassie, I, I think definitely be, I would not be at all upset. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same. I, I'm kind of hoping they do get a team to represent Tasmania. I'm hoping that's where it ends up. All right, look, Gil McLaughlin, like always, the, the AFL hot seat, not an easy job. Whoever's in it always cops plenty. But overall, I think he's, you know, I think his legacy will be will be a positive one. Yeah, as an outsider, I think he's done a good job. Seems to have certainly promoted the game, and uh, his latest media deal, as you just raises huge success for the the league going forwards. Definitely shores up their financial coffers for the next five oh. to seven years. Yes, no, the the future of the AFL, I think, is is very promising. NRL, Greg, first week of the finals, first week. Off. Yeah, so we had. We had the last round, obviously, last week. Look, as usual, teams expected to lose basically did. Um, probably the only game that was a bit dicey at one stage was Cronulla had to beat Newcastle to finish second, get a home final. And it was very competitive in the first half. First half, Newcastle played really well in that first half. I watched all that game, and I thought Newcastle were the better team. For a lot of the first half, they're actually the better team. Yeah, they played really well. But alas, it didn't didn't turn no, out that I, way. I think it came in the second half and Cronulla scored within the first 40 seconds after half time. That sort of set the, the standard for the rest of the game, actually. Cronulla just ran over them. In terms of my Tigers, all I can say is, thank God that's over. That season not, is not over. A good, <laughs> no. That, Let, looked, let's not talk about it. No, no, say it all I can say is it looked like being 100 nil at some stage. Really, really disappointing. But hey, onwards and upwards, Tigers. Two thousand and three. Better things await. I am sure. I, I can, hope anyway. Can only hope. All right. So, the finals start or postseason? Or oh, I noticed NRL calling it postseason now. Very Americanized. Very American. Tonight starts with oh, what a cracker! Panthers and Eels this evening. Then we have tomorrow two games on Saturday: the Storm versus the Raiders. Then the Sharks and Cowboys. So Storm and Raiders, Storm is down in Melbourne, Sharks, Cowboys up in Townsville, and the grudge match. The... No, Sharks and Townsville. Uh, oh, sorry, Park. not in Townsville, sorry. Cronulla, Thanks, Shark Park. Greg. Shark well, Park, sorry. Points Back Stadium, whatever it's called now. And Roosters and Rabbitohs at your favourite stadium, Alliance again. So mouth-watering games, like tonight. So Panthers, minor premiers, Eels in red-hot form. Panthers, obviously, Nathan Cleary coming back from his suspension. Look, great player, but there's got to be a bit of rust in his game, surely. You'd think so. He's had, well, a good five, four weeks out. Five weeks, I think it was. I think it was five, For yeah. that tackle, five weeks out. I agree, a bit of rust. Could could it be an upset? Could Parramatta keep the, the train going and could oh, it be an they, upset? If it they is play a, like it they is, have it, been. It is at Parramatta Stadium, is that right? It is. It was at Bluebet. Bluebet Stadium, I think it's called Bluebet. But we'll, we spoke last week. Parramatta are very good at looking a million dollars until it matters. Until it really counts. And I'll even argue that not really counting, or it could even be tonight. Like they are the team that could win tonight and then get rolled in the prelim final. But will they win tonight? I'm not sure what the betting is, but I would. I still favour Penrith. I think I'm going to. I'm going to tip Penrith for that one. Yeah, I think just. But if look, if the Para play at their best and they have been playing really well, 
they're, they're a big chance. Now, Saturday afternoon, or first game at 5.40, the Storm versus Raiders. Now, this is very rare. The Raiders have no fear going down there. I was about to say, was I'm, four, a, I'm actually, zip going, or something, the last I'm actually going to tip an upset on this, only because of form and the Raiders have a tradition of winning in Melbourne for some reason. They do, and have done it regularly. And you know, and that's. <laughs> I don't think there's any other team in the NRL can say that. This is going to be my upset tip. I'm going to actually pick the Raiders for that game. Now that said, obviously, just having a good record and ex- going down there expecting the record to get you to win, Melbourne don't give victories away. Particularly they do not semi-finals. So they're going to come out hard. Most significantly, Jerome Hughes is back, yes. halfback for the Storm. Look, up and down season. Well, just on Melbourne, what what sort of club are you when a disappointing or a, a down season you come fifth? Like, how many of us would love that to support a team like that? And yeah, as you said, fifth is considered a disappointing not, not as successful as it should have been. Yeah, yeah, I said not terrible, but yeah, not not meeting their normal standards. Yeah, my goodness, they have a very high benchmark. The Storm, as they should, they've been amazingly successful. But I'm with you, Greg. I'm. I don't know whether it's a little bit my heart as well. I Look, and I, I'm thinking, but... is, it, is that heart overhead just for you know dislike of Melbourne? But I, I think Canberra have a genuine chance. Oh, certainly, certainly. And look, we spoke about the Raiders last week. Really good pack, really good forward pack. Um, yeah, Jack White was rested last week, so was the only, um, Whitehead. Going back to our momentum conversation in the AFL, I, I worry and. That coming off such a, a steamroller match against the Tigers, not being much of an opposition, are they going in ready for a team like Melbourne? It wasn't the best preparation. No, but I guess that's the way the draw is, and you can't do anything about that. You just got to, just got to go out there and win. Now, I don't know if you want to put your house on it, Greg. So $3.25 the Raiders are paying. I wouldn't put my house on it, but I'd take that. <laughs> I'd take that bet. Oh, yeah, you definitely take it. Yeah, wouldn't put your house on it, but um, yeah, I think it's... Yeah, 50-50, that game. That should be a cracker. Now, Saturday nights, Sharks. Now, this is good. Sharks $1.71. Cowboys $2.15. And I think that's a fair odds. I think that's... I'm going to stick with the Sharks. They've had a really good season. Playing at home, I think yeah. it's really good for them. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Sharks for that game. And to be honest, that's probably the only reason they are favourites. Because they both had really good years, even... Pretty Look, even teams. If, if that game was in North Queensland, I'd pick North Queensland. Yeah, yeah North it's Queensland. It's purely being at home, not travelling, local crowd. It's a very small venue, intimate, and sold out. I did read that yesterday. It's yep. completely sold out. So it'll be pretty much 100% Sharky support, oh, give or take. It'll be a cracker. So I, I'm going to stick with the Sharks for that one, I think. Yeah, I'd probably favour the Sharks just because of that reason. But really, it's the game of the big improvers, isn't it? From last year. season, absolutely. Like Nico Hines is Heath Ledger Mark too. He has just been what an absolute success there at the Sharkies. And obviously ex-Sharky, Chad Townsend and Dearden, halves for the Cowboys have just been absolutely outstanding. So yeah. It, and whoever loses that, I think are still are still very much alive. You wouldn't write any of those dead. out, no. no. Right. And the grudge match. Another elimination match, same as last week. The Roosters versus the Bunnies. So Roosters dollar fifty five favourites. Rabbitohs two dollars forty five. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Kills me to say this, but I'm going to stick with the Roosters. I think the Roosters will get up. They've been playing really well. 
I yeah, I agree, Greg. I that's not just because I put money on them for my twenty six bucks a few months ago. But yeah, look, the Rabbitohs I think will be very competitive. And if they play to their best, they can win. Oh, I think it'll be a close game, and I think the Bunnies were probably better than when they played last week. Joey Manu out for the Roosters. That's a big out. That is an out, yeah. But they're such a good squad that it's like Manu's like a bonus. I don't – great when he's there and he's a fantastic player, but they're strong enough to be able to cover so that So much loss. depth at the club. Looks, Momoroski's playing in the centres, who got what sort of career. He just follows around good teams. He wasn't the Tigers though for a little while. We just forget that part of his career. But they loaned him to Melbourne and they did. Strange for Harry Grant. But yeah, look, defensively he can be a little bit suspect at times, but I think he'll do a good job. Yeah, I favoured I favor the Roosters, but once again an upset would not surprise. I agree. I'm gonna go with the Roosters, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Bunnies ended up winning that one. Yeah. One thing I will guarantee, particularly look, a bit of rain around. Sydney at the moment. It's meant to be a fine weekend. If it's a good day, a dry track, great to see afternoon footy, no dew. Should be a good open. I wouldn't say really open, being a final, but should be a really entertaining game, that one. Yeah, true. Right, so that's the NRL in terms of the games. During A couple of things during the week, Greg, worth mentioning. First one, tail and May. Now, to cut a long story short to our listeners, so involved... I've, I think it was in summer last year after the Panthers, you know, winning the premiership up on the Sunshine Coast. There was a group of people hassling Nathan Cleary, who was with the group a bit consistently. It went on and on. But anyway, eventually Taylor May went up behind this person and threw him to the ground. So he was charged with assault, etc. found guilty. I think he pleaded guilty. And that was last week. And it was like, well, so what are the NRL going to impose? And they decided to impose a two two week ban, which sounds about right. Yeah, you know, it wasn't a vicious assault, but it was still not the behaviour that should be coming of anyone's society, let alone a, someone representing a club. But then Peter Volandi's decided it'll be served next season, not this season. And then wonder why the NRL have, and we've talked about this before, you know, questions over consistency in decisions made by the NRL. No wonder why it keeps coming up in the media and they make a decision like that. That's ran- it's, it's random. That, and that's how Volandis operates, isn't it? Very random. And his, his um, justification for it is ridiculous. Oh, it's not fair on the fans. So what does that mean that, that Jack DeBellin should have been allowed to play the last two years? Because him not playing wasn't fair on the St. George fans. Very true. Like... What a ridiculous argument. Oh, yeah, it wasn't on the field. Okay, so... So what, why is the NRL interfering? Why is the NRL... If it's not on the field and related to the game, you know, the other question is, should the NRL even have a punishment if he's gone through the courts and that's been dealt with outside? And if and if they're talking about... If they're thinking, oh, you know, finals, big matches, I did hear someone half-sensibly say, well, could they have not reduced it to one? Just say, okay, you miss one game, but he misses a final. And just to say that's not fair on the fans and I will do it, what a joke. It, it, it is a joke and it just shows the lack of consistency and, and some of the holes in the, organi- the NRL as an organisation. They're the sort of things, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the AFL doesn't get wrong as much. You are correct. 
No, they don't. The AFL just seems to be better run. Well, it's not to say they've had some... I'm not saying they haven't had their controversies. They they do. But with they seem to be much more consistent, and we were talking about that with the implementation of head injuries and high tackles. They, they, they make a decision, they seem to stick to it consistently. Yeah. Look, and I, I think it's fairly obvious for Landis, he's, he's a dictator. He operates as a dictator, and that's what dictators do. They make decisions. They they make the decisions they want to make. Makes them on the fly. Suits, on the fly. Yeah. Suits him, and it, it was just bizarre. Look, and I think Valandis was great for the when he came in for COVID. Watching those other the previous Muppets, Beatty and whoever tried. Who knows what would have happened during COVID if Valandis wasn't there? It, NRL could mightn't even exist. <laughs> That's how bad they were. So Valandis came in strong. This is the way it is. Fantastic for the game. But, yeah, his style of and interfering with rules in it as well. You know, like I said, I, I don't mind his fortrightness, or fortrightnessness, whatever you want to call it, that he makes decisions. This is what we're doing in that. But you can't just make ridiculous ones. But he makes this and changes his mind. Yeah. And if you go back to, we talked about this last week on the pod, you know, the, the crackdown on head-eye tackles, that came from him. And two weeks later, he decided, it's no, gone. we're not going to do that anymore. No. no. And, and like you said, rule changes and that. That's not his job. No. no. So I think it's yeah, really bizarre and embarrassing for the game. I, I don't that, think it's a good decision. look. No, I just think lack of consistency, not a good look for the administration of the game. Yep. Look, now, speaking of not good looks, we spoke briefly about this, the booing of Latrell Mitchell. Look, and for, I hope it's not going where we think it's going to go, but it is going to go. Where we think it's going to go, I it think. probably is, but I hope not. Yeah. Okay. Talking about you know becoming a racial thing. Look, I had no problem last week. He played for the Roosters for two years. He had violently rubbed out one of their players last year with a ridiculous, you know, shoulder charge attempted tackle. Look, his behaviour on the field at times is grubbish. I think it's fair to say questionable. Questionable. So I have I have absolutely no problem the Roosters fans giving it to him. However. You know, beyond that, if it was to continue, you know, in against other clubs, other games, I think that's where the line would, that's crossing the line. Look, I'm with you. If it's just against the Roosters, where he does have a history, and it's only their supporters, and they're giving it to him a bit, I I can cop that as part of sport. But if it gets to, no matter what ground he goes to, no matter who they're playing, and he's copying it, that's probably where the line needs to be drawn and, and question what's really going on. Yeah, look, hopefully common sense will prevail. And look, rugby league spectators, I know look, there's always a lowest common denominator in every group of people, but generally our league supporters are fair people, decent people, and, and common sense will prevail. Hopefully. So we'll, we'll see what eventuates there, but hopefully, it, yeah, it doesn't become something that it, it doesn't need to. All right, so huge week in NRL. So, and the finals to come. We'll, we'll see how our predictions go next week, Greg. Yeah, we'll be looking forward to chatting about those next Friday. But yeah, it'll be really good four matches. Really, really good four matches. Looking forward to all of them, actually. Right, egg on our face, probably, but we'll see. Now, tennis. Big week at the US Open. Now, we spoke last week. It was Serena was still alive in the in the draw. An Australian. It took an Australian to, to, to end knock, it. knock her out, yeah, end her career. Did you watch it? We happened to just no, have I it on at the time. No, I didn't see any of it. I only saw the result later. No, it was really good. Obviously, the crowd were extremely respectful and just 
yeah, quite a touching moment. Obviously, someone that's played best ever women's play for 20 years. Um, she was very gracious. And it was nice, obviously, the fact that she lost the game, though, but still, you know, they wanted her to stay on court and do a presentation to her, and she spoke. And, you know, Amla, I always get mixed up with her name. Help me, Greg. Oh, Tom, Tom Lomovich. And she was very good. She was happy to just sit back, you know, stand back and let all that happen graciously. And then she spoke and spoke very well about Serena. Um, yeah, all good things come to an end. But as we mentioned last week, what a career. Amazing career. As I said last week, I do consider her the, the goat of women's tennis. Um, phenomenal career. Trailblazer, African-American, which is, you know, broke some barriers there. Absolutely. Uh, in the sport of tennis particularly. So, yeah, look, awesome. Can't, yeah, don't have enough superlatives to talk about her, actually. She's phenomenal. Yeah. She's a phenomenal athlete. And she was sent out the way you'd expect at the US Open. It was good to see her finish in front of a home crowd in the US. I, that was, a, yeah. I think, a great decision. And, you know, with all the kudos and respect she deserves. Yeah, so... Congratulations, Serena Williams. Great career. I and mean, look forward to seeing. You know, I'm sure she won't be lost to the, the game of tennis. Hopefully not. Also, though, Nick Kyrgios, you know, who we've spoken a lot on this pod, Greg. And an enigmatic figure. Look, he played really well, didn't he, to get to the quarters? He did. And it, you know, we were talking about before, just before we started recording, it, it's somewhat of a missed opportunity for Nick because the draw really opened up for him. And he was playing really well. Yeah, apparently, I didn't see any of the final game. I didn't either. At work, but apparently he was a bit flat. So that's probably a credit to him that he took it to five sets. Got it to five sets. That when he wasn't playing near as well. Look, he dummies bit at the end, which was a bit unfortunate. It detracted a bit. It was a bit unfortunate that it finished that way because he played really well and he'd had an awesome tournament up until that point. However, a positive for me was, okay, the petulance and that, not a good look. The fact he cared. And he said in the press conference afterwards, it's shattering because, yeah, the way it opened up, it was an opportunity lost. And yeah, he admitted that realistically, it's the Grand Slams are the only tournaments that matter, really. And now, you know, he's just got to wait to the Australian Open. And I'd say, look, if you ask any of those professional players, it's the grand, particularly the top ones, you know, it is only the Grand Slams they care about, winning, trying to win one of the four majors over their career. And I think, yeah, the fact that he cares... A couple of years ago, we were saying off air, he, he, he probably couldn't have cared less. He probably would have sulked and walked off. Sulked and just said, oh, yeah, I've just won, I think the prize money about half a million going out at that stage. You know, I don't care, I've got this, I can do that. But no, he really cared, um, which I think is an important step in his career. It'll be interesting to see how which Nick turns up at the Australian Open in January now after, you know, very successful Wimbledon runner-up. And you wouldn't say it was unsuccessful, US Open getting to the quarters. Disappointing for him because he did have a real opportunity to go further. But still got through the quarters last eight. So that's two Grand Slams in a row he, he's really performed quite well at. He has indeed. So, yeah, good luck to him. Look, hopefully... Look, he's always... We mentioned this last week, didn't we? It's, he's always going to have that just divisive personality. That's not going to go away. So, you know. But I think he... A lot of people are coming around more to him, which is which is a positive thing. And he's got that entertainment value. So moving on there, Greg, we'll, we'll stay in the US while we're there. The NFL starts this weekend. Now, your quest to find a team 
our listeners might remember that you don't actually have a team to support. I, I didn't have a team. I've spent my week researching and, and I have come up with a team. Very poor reason for getting a team, mind you, but I am going to support. I'm decided I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. The Steelers. Okay. What, what was your reason, mate? Now, my big reasons for that, it's really deeply thought out. Now, as our listeners may or may not know, I live and grew up in the city of Wollongong, coastal city, but a steel city. And our NRL team used to be, before it merged with St. George, was the Illawarra Steelers. And I think just keeping my connection to the Steelers and supporting Illawarra as a as a youngster, as a school, when I was in high school, I thought there was a bit of a connection there, being a steel city and calling the Steelers. So I thought, let's give Pittsburgh a bit of a go and I'll be supporting them this season. Now, I know nothing about Pittsburgh Steelers history. It's a very rich Successful one. or otherwise. And... I don't know about their current success or otherwise, so it'll be interesting to get on that bandwagon. But I'll be, yeah, going supporting the Steelers. Well, good choice. You mentioned it was going to be the Dolphins, if not the Steelers. But my other choice with the Dolphins, and that my big reasoning for that was the coastal town, which Wollongong also has a bit of a beach tradition, living on the coast, beach culture, and Miami certainly has a bit of that as well. So that was my my other thought was going for the Miami Dolphins. All right, but I think. You've- but I'm going to go with the Steelers. Shows. My decision is to go with the Steelers. Okay, well, good good luck to the Steelers. I know because I think they've got a new quarterback because they've had a player who's much maligned who finished up last season. Just looking at the odds, so it's funny, isn't it? The LA Rams won, but they're not the favourites. Currently, the favourites for the Super Bowl are the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Who, they had a really good season. They were lucky. Really good season. Played one bad game. It happened to be the final. And over there, you get one chance. But the Bills are favourites. The Tampa Bay are up also. Obviously, Tom Brady coming back for one last After season. After retiring, coming back another time. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, they're always thereabouts. Okay, of course, when you have you know, the success they've had and you know with their, with their star quarterback. Help me, Greg, what's his name? I can't think of it. Sorry, I can't. No. Um, you know, the best, one of the best players around at the moment. The LA Rams, who won last... Super Bowl, Green Bay, going to be up, expected to be up there again. LA Chargers are probably the team that's really expected to improve. Mm-hmm. They were building nicely last year. And let's face it, LA Chargers, everyone, they're San Diego. They Although are. not officially San they're Diego. They've been re- relocated, but... Yep. Yeah. Let's just down the road anyway. I think most people still refer to them, you know, regard them as San Diego. Denver Broncos expected to improve. And then 49ers and the Ravens. And then my mob, the Bengals. So although they made the Super Bowl, I don't think it's been lost on setters of the market that a bit of luck was involved. Because they're certainly not in the top four or five favourites. Yeah, listen to that list. They're not not near the top. Um, Who is wasting everyone's time according to... Look, both New York teams who have been struggling. There's a shock. There's a shock. Giants and the Jets. Yeah, the Jets are like my second team. They are strugglers. Uh, Chicago Bears, they've been bad for a long time. Um, Seattle Seahawks, they were favoured They were favored to do really well, I think, last year. <laughs> now they're not favoured to do very well at all. Well, actually, I think third last, which ironically is where Cincinnati Bengals were expected to go to finish last year and they made the Super Bowl. Yeah, One thing I love about the NFL, it changes so quickly. You can, you can be on the bottom one year and playing in the Super Bowl the next. Atlanta Falcons, they have been bad. And Houston Texans. Um, right. 
Well, it says it all when the last sentence under the Houston Texans is, if you bet this, good luck, you're going to need it. <laughs> Doesn't bode well for the no. Texans. So look, and we look forward to updating the listeners on the, the NFL from time to time over their season. Um, it's a nice, one thing I love about the NFL, it's a short season. It doesn't go too long. It used to be seven, it might be 18 games now, but every game counts. If you lose three in a row early, that can be it. Every game means something. And it's very unlike American sport, because if you think about the other major North American sports, the well, you, basketball, the baseball, you play a million the games. hockey, it's a million games. It goes on and on and on, and, and all the seasons go really long, whereas the NFL, as you said, 18 or 19 games, every game counts. So I look forward to get my head around it this year and getting a bit more engaged with the NFL. Yes. No, it should be a, should be another super season. Now, we mentioned last week, Greg, how one day the one day is Australia versus Zimbabwe. Yes. Had escaped most people's attention. Well, there were some more this week, and they were even more invisible than last week's invisible games. Were you aware of Australia playing New Zealand? I wasn't until the news the night before when I think the two captains were interviewed. And I was shocked to know they were playing a series of one-day matches against New Zealand in Cairns. Yes. Now, I think... For the Hadley Chapel... Trophy. Trophy. Which no one knew about. Um, I think Australia won... I think the second game's been played as well. I think... I think... I think Australia won the first after chasing not many, 240-odd. Well, Australia, I think, was five or six for 40. Something and Cameron Green stepped up to the mark. Um, so it's good. And I've got a feeling, I know something that come out of it was Aaron Finch failed. I think the second game has been held and Finch failed both times. He's on a bit of a roll of failures because he didn't perform well against Zimbabwe either and prior to that hasn't been performing well. I know they're starting to get question marks over his position and then hence captaincy in the, the one-day team. Uh, going back to your comment, I think it says a lot when I saw the two captains interviewed and Aaron Finch wasn't even aware who held the Hadley Chapel trophy at the moment, whether it was Australia or New Zealand. So when the captain doesn't know who the current holder of the trophy is, that says something about the importance they're placing on the series. Yeah, it says all about one day is now, doesn't it? Really it really does, sadly. It's something we will talk about at length in a not-too-distant future. Disappointing. But yeah, Aaron Finch, I personally don't know why. They keep saying, you know, questioning his spot. And he does have a few troughs, but he comes good eventually. I just think he's too good a player too. He's, he's a good captain. You know, the, the one day in 2020 team have both been successful under his captaincy. So obviously the players respond to his style of captaincy. And even if he's not performing with the bat, he's still adding to the team. Yeah. And if there's not someone that's obvious to step up. That's or funny you say that because that's going to be my next point. Who is the obvious next in line? I don't think there is anyone at the moment. No, so I don't see why he can't keep going around for a couple of years, that team, and then look, you know, look, look at the future. Then next World Cup, perhaps after the next World Cup, or or whatever. Speaking of World Cups, Greg, soccer, women's soccer, the Matildas. Now they played a couple of friendlies. They've been in our form lately, haven't they? Not performing as well as they probably should on paper. Um, they were soundly beaten by Canada. They they played two games against Canada, I think, and then they what? Well, okay, in the Second game, one all at half time, then they got beat two one. But what is concerning soccer pundits is the coach, okay, Tony Gusfazen, who came with much fanfare, who has a very well respected and a, a good record. But thirty percent of games, it's all that the Matildas have won under his tenure. 
not not a good record for the class of player the Matildas now have. Now, it's, soccer's a bit hard in Australia because it's so disjointed and obviously our best players play in Europe and they can't always get the team together. It would be a challenge, I would assume. But the record's not great under his coaching leadership. No, it's not at all. So it's a, And they're snookered a little bit because the next World Cup is next year. And Australia and New Zealand are hosting it, so they certainly want to perform in front of the Australian fans and you know, make sure they're competitive. So the thing is, though, there's not much time. If they wanted to change, change over coaches, it would have to happen very, very soon. And then how many games do they have planned between now and then for a new coach to settle in? I mean, it's great to get name coach, but you've got to have a team to... That's right. A team playing to coach to you know, get your feel for it. And Yeah, personally, I think, look, if he was good enough to sign, okay, yes, they're not playing well, but it's too late now, and I, I just think they have to stick with him and, and um, keep the faith. I think you're right. I think 12 months out from World Cup, it's probably not enough time to change over to a new coach. They're just going to have to hang in there and hope it comes good when it counts. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not sure what Tony's had to say, but yeah, he needs to maybe be the old Paul Keening J curve. Things things get worse before they get better. So, yeah, I I think they just need to hold strong. It's be too late and too disjointed to change coaches now. I think I agree with you. And just lastly on on football soccer, it was great to see although Celtic got beaten by Barcelona, I think they were playing. But yeah, Ange Postacoglu, the first ever Australian to manage a team in the um, Champions League. Yeah, so that's a, he's had huge success since going to Celtic. No, he's gone really, really well. And look, and that's high pressure. They're a, they're a club that are expected to win everything in Scotland um, and do well in Europe. And he took over after a horrendous season, and you know they won everything. Been really last successful year. since he's taken over. And personally, I, I I thought he would. Yeah, of course, there were headlines when he took over. I think in the Glasgow Times or whatever their paper is, was um, Post the Cog Who. You know, well-known by us, but not by not European. Globally. So I, kind of, I just thought, no, because he's he's very resilient character, very very strong leader, and I, I wasn't surprised to see him do really well. And I think early on, you know, when they don't know someone, whether the respect's there. I remember very early on in a press conference, Journalist, yeah, got a little bit not piss taking, but yeah, they look condescending. All these questioning and Ange sorted him out very quickly. Pretty many spot pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, so well, well done, Ange. Great to see. Well, Greg, that's another good sports wrap. Great week. So very, very busy. Look, we're really, really, as we said, looking forward to these footy finals. But if our listeners wouldn't mind just hanging around for a bit, and we're going to take a deep dive shortly. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to have a shortish dive into a topic we've chatted a couple of times, Greg, and that's about should off-field behaviour of sports people or past sports people, should that detract from their achievements on the field? So things like, I've heard discussed Wayne Carey being in the AFL Hall of Fame, as an example. You know, Wayne Carey's had a few off-field Incidences You're being and very polite with a few yeah, things happening over the years, and people saying, "Well, he shouldn't be an AFL Life member." This is just an example. But where do you sit? I personally sit a sporting achievement, regardless of the players, what happens off the field. 
are still achievements and they've still happened. You know, sort of like history, they can't be ignored. So personally, I, I think regardless of a character's actions or a person's actions or whatever, their achievements on the field are still are still that. Um, where do you sit? Look, I think if you're talking about you know life membership or Hall of Fames where sports recognise past players or officials, I think you... I, I tend to agree with you. You've got to look at it a bit like a silo. They had their sporting accomplishments and that's what they're being judged on those accolades for, not their personal life. Their personal their, character or their Personal their character life. or personal life, personal behaviour off the field. And I think the two... It's hard sometimes, but the two need to be treated separately when sporting organisations are thinking about awards or giving out accolades for lifetime achievements or Hall of Fames, those sort of things, then it is their on-field, on-court achievements that should be looked at more in a silo. Yeah. It's interesting though, isn't it? In the more PC world we live in, where it tends to be more cause, doesn't it? Oh, no, you can't do that. Look, classic example we spoke about last week would be Margaret Court. The cause for Margaret Court Arena to be changed than that, you know, to something else where it's sort of like, okay, she has some controversial opinions about certain things off the field, you know, the, about homosexuality, those sorts of things and that, and controversial, as I just said, but yet she still won 23 or 20, whatever it is, Grand Slams and a Australian tennis legend. So I, I think that one's a really good example because her personal views are very divisive. Yep, extremely. But those views have nothing to do with the achievements that she made on the tennis court in her time. I think the issue is, at, it comes up every year in, during around the Australian Open, and I think the media needs to focus on her tennis achievements and not bring the other stuff up. I agree. They bring it up because it because it gets headlines, clickbait, or it's headlines clickbait. Or Good one. It's clickbait. But yeah, I agree. The fact is, she played these games. She won these tournaments, and. And, and that is something to be celebrated. Oh, look, I put out, I strongly oppose her personal views on marriage and homosexuality. I personally strongly oppose them. But that doesn't take away my respect for her as a tennis player and her achievements on the tennis court. And I think you can look at the two separately. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's not just that example, is there? There's lots of them about characters, be they prickly characters. Look, it's something you probably don't want to talk about, but... I guess a topic that would really test opinions would be someone was a murderer or a pedophile after you know after that would their become a very career. tough conversation. Yeah, that would be a, a very tough conversation. But look, Wayne Carey, I know there's um, in America one of their best ever baseballers was uh, Ty Cobb. His name was. Mm-hmm. Like I said, nothing like there's nothing bad, but he was just a apparently just a. An absolute a hole. Yeah, just not a nice person. Mm. Very gruff. Very um, you know, just yeah, not where we go as a human being. Well, but yet still on that sits you know second, third all time of the Hall of Fame over there, and and that, and once again, his achievements on the field are exactly that, regardless of what type of person he was, or even, and I guess when it stretches onto the field as well. He didn't always play in the right spirit. You know, apparently he he's a sort of baseballer who would run in sliding for base with his studs up 
trying to do as much damage as he could to the basement, that sort of thing. See, that, that changes the conversation slightly because that does influence my opinion around should they be acknowledged if they didn't, you know... Play in the right spirit. Thank you. If they didn't play in the right spirit of whatever game it might be, I think that does influence the way they should be thought of because that does encompass them, their sporting achievements on the field. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Greg. Well, something that surprised me a little bit was I, I was down at Barrel, down at the um, Bradman Museum. Now, they have an award there, like, I forget what it's called. Bradman, there's only a few players have been inducted into it. but And it said they had to have not just great on-field achievements, but played the game in the right spirit, uh, that sort of thing. And one of the inductees was Adam Gilchrist. No problem at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, epitome of great sport. Mm-hmm. Number one, right next to him, is Glenn McGrath, who I got a lot of respect for. Yep. Great bowler, done great things off the field with, you know, he's... It, He's foundation, the, foundation, the Jane McGrath Foundation. Yeah. But he behaved like an absolute tool on the field at times, in my opinion. And I, I just thought, well, his behaviour on the field does not meet that criteria whatsoever. But yet there he is. It's funny you mention that, a bit of a personal story. My grandfather used to work at the SCG yep. in the day and had the opportunity to meet Bradman a couple of times. And in his words before he passed, was that he never met a ruder man in his life. Yes, well, he's a classic, isn't he? Because you now revered as a god in Australia, his cricket due to his cricket exploits. But yeah, I've heard it. A lot of people say not a very nice, yeah, my, not a great person. My at grandfather all. didn't rate him as a person, having to deal with him as an employee at the SCG very highly at all. Love was a cricket nut like myself. That's where I got it from my grandfather. So totally respected and loved him as a player. But as a person, so it's very interesting. You say you said there's an award based on that criteria, and by all accounts, Bradman, on a personal level, wasn't a very nice person. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's funny, isn't it, how you look at it? And, yeah, the Glenn McGraw annoyed me, you know, just mainly, you know, the carry-on. I mean, Shane Warns in, in the cricket world be one, you know, yep. the off-field exploits at times compared to what he achieved as a player, as a bowler, those lines blur sometimes. Yeah. Well, talking before about it's it's in different... Um, realms of life too, isn't it? Not just sport. Now, we spoke about, you know, musicians who have uh, done some very bad things. Yeah. Rolf Harris, Gary Glitters of the world. Even the opinion of Michael Jackson. I know some yeah. radio stations won't play Michael Jackson's music at all. And it's sort of similar. Okay, well, their art. You know, and if you... Quite rightly, you could say, no, well, that's that person's despicable behaviour. We won't. But over history, you look back at, you know, Lord Byron, you know, so-called, you know, the great literary thing he you know all sorts of things going on there you know incestuous and pedophilia and god knows what but yet still regarded as a classic yeah still studied in schools i'm sure so yeah it's it's an interesting conversation it's a difficult conversation it's it's almost as if it depends doesn't it it can't be black or white it's nearly a case by case based on the behavior you mean this came about because of the wayne carey issue getting kicked out of the yep. casino with the white powder being dropped out of the pocket or whatever it was this week. It's kind of, you've got to look at a case-by-case basis. Because as you said, if it was a, if that was a pedophile issue, then I'd probably have a very different opinion. Yeah. So Gary Ablett obviously had an interesting off-field life. Yes, Gary Ablett. So, you know, he's another one, isn't he? You know, where that 
you know, basically a young lady died in the same hotel room he was in. And, you know, no no suggestion of you know, untoward for No, Gary no, Boy. no, no. But, you know, but that sort of yeah, questionable and, you know, grey areas of behaviour. But to be involved, you know, another one these more recent times is um, Bomber Thompson. Yes. Yeah, former Geelong. But John Coates with those, you know, who, whose life went right off the, the rails. Does that tarnish his legacy? Once again, I don't think it does because he, end of the day, Geelong won those premierships. And, and doesn't take away from the book. And the coach was was um, Thompson. So, yeah. But I just thought it would be an interesting conversation to have. It's a hard one. As you said, it's, it's nearly like a case-by-case situation. You, you make these judgments. And I guess it comes back to your own moral values and where that sits for personally how you feel about it. Yeah, it does. And I, and, I, and I guess too, if it's just on-field behaviour or personality, well, it can change too, isn't it? We've spoken about Leighton Hewitt in his younger days and Agassi, a classic Agassi one. Agassi was a classic. You know, probably not, you certainly wouldn't have been handing out awards for great sportsmanship or that. And in his career, he was an absolute role model for it. Just being, you know, gentlemanly and competitive, but yet fair and, and all the rest of it. So the, no, no answer as such. No. I don't think we've answered that question, but it just—it's probably not going to go away either. It's going to keep coming up because well, people have their lives, they have their sporting life, and they have their real life, or their. And sometimes, you know, when you're in the media or a high-profile sports person, you're going to grab media attention. And I think it's hard to separate sometimes. Yeah, very hard. And, and I guess that's nothing. I guess that proves nothing in life um, exists as a as a vacuum, does it? It always trans. First, somehow, can, I mean, life. I use the word. Can you view the sport as a silo? And I don't know if you can. You know, have one person separated in two separate lives. Yeah. Look, last thing I will say on it, though, but time does not heal wounds, but time, time does become more favourable to the person, doesn't it? I would agree with that. You know, because generally people then forget. Like, you know, like you said Don Bradman around his death and ten years after, it was, you know, it was quite common knowledge that he wasn't the nicest person at times depending on different people who you asked but you know 100 years time he's just looked at in the books as who was this you know legend Legend. you know the actual the actual person himself doesn't doesn't come into it no you only look at the numbers yeah so anyway look love to hear the thoughts of anyone who's listening please shoot us an email at two sporting muppets.com that's number two the number two, Sporting Muppets, it's at Gmail, by the way. Oh, sorry. Gmail.com. At number two, Sporting Muppets at Gmail.com. Jeez, Greg, I had my one chance to do the website and I blew it. I know. So you let me down. That's your job, mate. Okay. That's why I won't, I won't stray from my normal <laughs> my normal job. Yeah. But no, thanks thanks for the chat, Greg. It was a good one. And as you said, I think it'll continue. And I know, look, in the US, NFL, I know there's been a – couple of serious cases, you know, of um, sexual assault, etc. And yeah, you know, we had one here, obviously, with the Jack the B- Bellon thing, who you know has was cleared by a court of law. I must add. Look, it's, it's happened in basketball too. Kobe Bryant was accused of rape and won his court case. Actually, no, he didn't. It was settled out of court. Yep. Chauncey Billups, who was a champion with Detroit, but now coaching Portland, mm-hmm. also had charges. So it, it's it has happened in sports as well. Yeah, I think a more recent one was. Um, quarterback for Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson. And I'm not sure what where it's up to with his, but you know, it's obviously destroyed the Houston's on field. You know, legend not legendary, but elite quarterback who unavailable to play. 
of charges pending. So, yes, it 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 will continue. It will. Okay. All right. Thanks, thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening again. Thanks for a great chat, Gray. Great to catch up. Great all, to have a chat about sport. All, always. And um, yeah, well, finals coming, but as we said, it won't be long to the, the sound of, uh, what do I say, Lever on Willow? No, the cricket is, apart from the mystery games that are happening up north at the moment, the, the real stuff will the real stuff. come around soon. But until then, we're in the midst of the football uh, final season, which is exciting. Rugby league starting tonight and obviously in the middle of the AFL finals. So really looking forward to all those games and results over the weekend. The best time of year, mate. Great time. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Well, hopefully you'll tune in again next week when we again have a chat about the world of sport. Thanks, everyone. Whoever you follow, hope your team goes well this weekend. Stay safe. Bye for now.